Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and uh, joining me today, his favorite book is Artie Lang's Too Fat to Fish. It's Adam Myros. Well, I, you know, I, I relate. <laughs> is that, I, is that like seriously a problem? You just, what are you weighing down the boat? Or I, I've never, I've never read it before. I got to be honest with you. Uh, well, I, I think it, it depends on the boat, I suppose. I mean, you, you've seen like Tommy Boy or something, you know, you don't want to give off that sort of vibe i think you you, you want to go for like a solid pontoon that's a mm-hmm. good scenario i think yeah i agree fat guy optics are, are are best on on a pontoon for sure also joining us uh his favorite movie is beer league starring Artie lang it's jake trapila well you know hi <laughs> <laughs> you know in in beer league he doesn't go by Artie lang he goes by Artie Devanzo because he was trying to, you know, like <laughs> distance himself from himself. Yeah, I'll have you know, I have I've seen the first ten minutes of Beer League on Comedy Central one time. I don't remember yeah, anything a real about classic. it. Classic. Yeah. I mean, if you if the year is two thousand six and you're browsing the used DVD section in your local Blockbuster Video, uh, there's twenty three copies of Beer League in that big bin. So. Oh yeah, it's a poster I've definitely seen around a bunch. Also joining a special guest, uh, comedy correspondent, and uh, he sold coke to Artie Lang one time. Steve Coleman's here. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I did not sell him the Wolfgang Puck knives, though. Mm, okay. I just, I thank you for clarifying that. That's good. <laughs> well, what the fuck are we doing here today? Uh, why am I talking about Artie Lang? Uh, what is going on? And uh, honestly, uh, I don't, what is it, like a month now? Gosh, it... it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but uh, Norm McDonald passed away, and we said, hey, we should do a Norm episode, because we I all like been Norm. significantly more than a month. <laughs> See, I don't, time is, time is flat. We, I mean, but also, no one knows when we're recording this. Maybe they think it's, it's mid-December, we just have this whole back catalog. They don't know anything. He died in September. <laughs> I think the next event you're going to tip, say, we'll tip them off as to when we maybe recorded this, but please go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, <laughs> it's true. I've kind of backed myself into a corner. Well, and then, uh, we, we just found out that, uh, uh, Bob Saget passed away. And if you follow the official Facebook page of the immortal Hulk Hogan, uh, he says that, uh, <laughs> the reason that Bob Saget passed away is the same reason we lost Sidney Poitier and, uh, Betty White. And no, it's not old age. It's the COVID booster. So, um, yeah. We we lost we lost Bob we lost Norm and we're like fuck it it's about time we watch Dirty Work so here we are gentlemen uh, I don't know about you guys but I I haven't seen so any of the movies that we're gonna be covering today I have not watched any of them since I was probably no older than fourteen years old um, Half Baked which we're gonna get to at the end because we talked we tacked that one on there for fun. That one I probably watched in maybe my early 20s, but the rest of these I am a solid 20 years removed from. So uh, it's it's been odd kind of coming back to them. And Dirty Work especially sticks out because it, it's sort of like Adam Sandler, Happy Madison adjacent, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. And it was it really came out at a time where 
those films were, I mean, that's, that's when Sandler was at his peak, right? Sure. Sure. I, I, it yeah. struck me that it, it kind of reads like a, a Saturday night live movie because it, it actually brings in like his tape recorder bit and stuff like that. So it really does. It's very of an era. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like a Sandler's made his name for himself with Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison and his SNL buddies are saying, "Hey, we should get movies too." And uh we got these ones. Thank God. I mean, and and look at all the wonderful things that came out of SNL. Why you've got Superstar, you've got Night at the Roxbury, you've got The Ladies Man, uh and then later things like Joe Dirt, Joe Dirt 2. Wow. Just uh, just incredible stuff. Is that no, a Saturday night live character? SNL yeah. characters, no. I mean, MacGruber is, though, and do not forget, it's Pat. That's yeah, true. That's true. Stewart saves his family. Uh-huh. Yeah, there uh-huh. we go. Good there hole. we go. I mean, Joe, Joe Dirt, not a, a technically an SNL movie, but then again, what's, what's David Spade really going to do at that point? Because, I, I mean, what's, what's his most iconic character? The dismissive flight attendant? Is that, is that really all we've got? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, about right. It, it, well, I, I guess much like Norm, he's probably best known for his... Uh contributions to the uh, weekend update yeah that's true that's true well and again we're we're in uh we're in a david spade renaissance right now too did you know he's he's like a, a real beloved star uh, amongst the youths so who knew that that people would come around on david spade and he would be a sympathetic character i i i don't get it at all but anyway is, 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 is that happening <laughs> oh that's fucking happening man um yeah i i guess he's uh he yeah I, I don't know why it's happening, but he was just on uh, the, he was like the host of Bachelor in Paradise. Um, so people, people love David Spade. They think he's an all around nice guy, uh, which is odd. I mean, I, I don't know David Spade personally, but that was never really his, uh, his image, right? He was always kind no, of the, the jerk he's always a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like what? that was his whole thing. But no, now he's, uh, he's, he's like a kind and lovable father with a terrible haircut and a gross mustache. But uh, yeah, that's neither here nor there because uh, it's it's norm time, baby. Coleman, what what exactly it, like people who aren't baptized in the waters of Norm McDonald? What what makes Norm so special among this crop of like '90s SNL SNL adjacent people? Uh, a lot of it's just the delivery, his comic delivery. I think um, he uh, the sardonic wit um, is a bit more intelligent than that. Uh, crop of dudes he kind of came up with um and he's canadian (laughs) (laughs) well i mean the thing that always stuck out to me is when i think of people on snl that um i would like to throw into a wood chipper uh a number one jimmy fallon and uh, part of the reason other than the fact that he's just not very funny he would always ruin sketches by laughing and i i think norm's one of his greatest strengths is he can basically say anything and keep a straight face about Case. it, and that's what makes him so funny. So the funny. king of deadpan, especially in that era, mm-hmm. like like yeah, the 90s, early 2000s. Which is good, too, because I don't know if you could sell a movie like Dirty Work with someone who isn't able to, to keep a poker face the way that he is. Yeah, the, f- the funniest bits in this movie, which I actually greatly enjoyed, are just the way Norm says things. Um like, uh, I guess we'll, if to get into it early on, he's, uh, well, the premise is he and Artie Lang are these two buddies who basically had a knack for getting revenge on people that, uh, pissed them off. There's this early scene on where they get back at these frat guys who they get into a bar fight with, 
and he calls the frat house and says there's these fake cops going around pretending to arrest people on campus or something. And then he calls 911 and he says, hello, real cops? I hear there's a problem. <laughs> uh, like as if the bit wouldn't work unless he was telling the audience what he was like, how he was calling the police and that just his line deliveries like that are what really made the movie shine for me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> his like he he has a weird place. Like he was always one of my favorite performers on Saturday Night Live, but a lot of that is because he never felt like he belonged on Saturday Night Live. Like he had far more of an edge that that felt more akin to stuff like Kids in the Hall or Mr. Show or something like that. Like he always felt out of place on Saturday Night Live and uh even though uh, again it, it's odd. He he's almost a singular comedic persona because he also has this very old school comedy vibe about him as well but um yeah it's like he just didn't give a shit about being on saturday night live and and you could tell and he's writing reflected that and a lot of his you know he was a dog with a bone at all times and he, he would just do whatever the fuck he thought was funny whether uh anyone else did or not yeah well and <laughs> i i guess it Famously, too, he was he was fired from SNL because um, he was just thumbing his nose completely at at what the people behind the scenes wanted him to do. So, I mean, he got yanked off of Weekend Update because he basically would not stop making OJ jokes, just straight up calling him a murderer constantly. Um, and he was told repeatedly by NBC people like you gotta just like pump the brakes he's just like nope just gonna call OJ a murderer every single week three times a week that I'm just gonna sit here and call him it a murderer. was uh Don Don Olmeyer uh who is one of OJ's best friends and a high-ranking uh General Electric NBC official yeah did did not enjoy that <laughs> I mean if you watch which obviously we did uh again I'm always throwing Jake in even though he's significantly younger than us but uh like people who are our age mid 30s now like these this cast of saturday night live was our cast in especially in the sense that it was syndicated so damn much like comedy central just showed that era of early 90s snl like on a loop for our entire youth and uh it's it's interesting to watch the reactions because you got uh Neelan in there as well and if you watch like the weekend update segments Norm's hit rate is terrible. Like, there are times where he'll tell jokes that I almost always find funny, but, like, the audience reaction to Norm's Weekend Update is is just wildly different from what you get with a Neelan or something like that. Which like, makes him even funnier, right? Like, yeah. It, like, Norm's jokes are funny, but it's better when the people he's telling the joke to aren't laughing and then that <laughs> makes it funnier because they're not laughing. <laughs> Which he would readily acknowledge in real time, too. It, it, it's just... Uh, very interesting banter with with the audience. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, there's just, there hasn't been, especially on SNL, good God, like there, there really hasn't been anybody else quite on his level doing that kind of a bit either because now, Jesus Christ, it's, I, I, I would rather get like five consecutive root canals than watch an episode of SNL. It's just like absolute brain poison. Um. And, and I actually, you know, and I feel bad because they announced new cast people and I'm like, oh, like uh, they, they just they just hired like Sarah Squirm, who's super, super funny. And my reaction wasn't, oh, maybe SNL will get good now. It was, oh, my God, what are they going to do to her 
to make her not funny. You know, like yeah. it's kind of depressing. They haven't they haven't succeeded yet. Um in the few episodes that I've watched the season, which haven't been that many, but at least they're not uh, totally like squashing her voice, except for the fact that she's now Sarah Sherman. Yeah. Boo. Uh, I mean, but I, I also don't think that, you know, we're going to get her the, the full breadth of her comedy either. It's not like she's going to come out with, you know, oozing pustules all over her face and, you know, uh, drop a bloody tampon <laughs> in the crowd. Although if she wants to, I'd be down with that. That's cool. Uh, you could but, still you get know. that on Twitter yeah. though. So, it's a good, good Twitter follow. Good, good Twitter follow. Agreed. Anyways, uh, I guess back to Norm. <laughs> uh, enough about throwing bloody tampons at the audience. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, dirty work is weird because a lot of those 90s comedies outside of the nostalgia fumes, they haven't really aged well uh, by me. I mean, we did, this was fucking ages ago, but we, we did a Sandler podcast. We did, uh, I think it was. Uh, I think we covered Billy Madison, Madison right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Billy Madison is is fine. And, you know, I, I've seen, I've recently I've watched like, you know, Wedding Singer and um, Happy Gilmore and all those. And, and, and they're good. They're solid. Mm -hmm. But also it, it kind of makes me wrestle with the fact that like how much of my enjoyment comes from the fact that I, I watched that shit repeatedly as a kid. You know, everything up to and including the water boy, just constant repeat. And this it's the same in a lot of ways. It's that same brand of, of nineties comedy movie uh, right down to the, you know, the, the plot is, is almost like who gives a fuck, you know, outside of the fact that like, there's this core concept of Norm will do your revenge work for you. Uh, you know, be, because he doesn't like it when, you know, the little guys get screwed over. Okay. So that's the core concept, but everything else around that, is so hilariously like just tacked on patchwork. It just doesn't fucking matter. And that's kind of the, the blueprint for nineties comedy films. Yeah, did this exercise not like highlight that, the, that like 90% of comedy plots in the 1990s were, uh, we have to raise X amount of money in X amount of time. <laughs> yes. That's just it. Yeah. We got to save the, the institution or something. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the world's simplest plot for a film. <laughs> oh, we need to get $50,000 because grandpa has cancer. Okay, sure. We got to raise $50,000 to get my friend out of jail. Oh, sure. We're going to have to sell Callahan breaks or et cetera, et cetera. Oh, grandma's yeah. house is going to get purchased by Shooter McGavin. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Shooter McGavin doing a lot of work in these. I mean, he's basically the same character in Dirty Work as he is. Unfortunately, and, uh, uh, not nearly as strong. I, I no. mean, that's that's not a criticism of, of the performance or the film, really. But, you know, Shooter McGavin is a fucking amazing role. Yeah, for sure. For mm -hmm. sure. Uh, but yeah, it's and, and even like the, the brand of humor outside of uh, the shit that Norm's doing, it, it does kind of like it leans heavily into the, the gay panic stuff, which was super popular then. But also because it's anchored by Norm it doesn't feel as, as like, you know, eye rolling and stupid. Um, it's just, I, there's something hilarious about like Norm putting a, uh, like a gay porno film on an old, like fucking film projector. And then he makes him and Artie turn around and like cover their eyes with their forearms, with their backs turned to the fucking <laughs> screen it's just so over the top like it, it doesn't it doesn't read as as kind of that bro comedy that was popular in the late 90s into you know mid 2000s um just because it's again it's just so fucking stupid 
Uh, but the way that Norm sells it, it, it kind of comes back around on itself, becomes funny again. So, uh, yeah, Norm, good at making gay jokes funny? <laughs> uh, certainly better than, than the other film we'll, we'll discuss that, that doesn't oh, yeah. involve Norm. <laughs> no. There's not no no no. There's there's definitely a good way and a bad way to do this. Yeah, this the, the, I mean both films in question have uh, prison rape jokes, which of course 1990s. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this one that. this one actually <laughs> works because Norm is Norm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and he does. He just he just like takes a concept. It's almost like a like a proto like meal hamburger approach where he takes something. And he just beats it into the fucking ground so much that it it goes from you know annoying or unfunny to fucking hilarious. Um, it's it's right on par with like yeah like Neil Hamburger when he used to he would go on Twitter and just like search for like Taco Bell food poisoning and then retweet three hundred people <laughs> talking about how Taco Bell made them shit their pants. It's it's really it's it's some artful stuff, but uh. Yeah, it, it it certainly highlights the divide between what Norm is capable of and, uh, you know, what the uh, master comedic thespians of Half-Baked are able to pull off. Yeah, I think the weakness of this might be in the partnership. I mean, I know that Artie Lang was, was chosen by Norm, but you almost... Uh, Farley being in the movie does not help either because it's like, well, that guy's a way funnier than this schmuck. Yeah, it's kind of hard because Artie, Artie is not, I mean, and, and not trying to lump all fat guys together. You know, every every fat guy is special. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Artie Lang just, he doesn't, okay, so Farley doesn't exactly have range, right? I mean, the, the guy wasn't known for his serious acting chops. He basically has one character and he plays that one character at a, you know, a variety of different volumes. And that's what you get with Chris Farley. Yeah. But if Farley doesn't have range, he just has presence, which makes him naturally hilarious. Artie Lang doesn't have anything. He doesn't have range. He doesn't have acting chops. He doesn't have presence. I, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's kind of, again, like the Happy Madison thing where every once in a while, Sandler will throw someone in and you're like, why the fuck is this guy here? And the answer is <laughs> because he was available and he's friends with Adam Sandler. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what Artie brings to the table here. And I mean, I guess outside of a few uh, Howard Stern bits, I've never been like a huge Artie fan. And certainly I, I can't think of a single role he's played <laughs> where, uh, you know, he's, he's been able to, to really anchor it with his comedic chops. Yeah. He, uh, no, no offense to beer league. I'm not like a huge, I, I'm not that familiar with Artie's body of work. I mean, obviously you've seen him around for decades, but, uh, and you'll, you'll see him in the news for various drug offenses and what have you. But, uh, I don't like. I don't know. I'm sure his stand-up is good. I mean, he's got a great reputation in this crowd. Well, uh, again, aside from the the drug usage, but uh, comedically, he has a great reputation. I, I just say like he doesn't read as a, a movie star at all in the in the way that Farley does. Farley is always like you know he has cameos in this movie and he steals the show. Yeah, well, exactly. I think at, at the time, I think Artie Lang was still coming off a pretty successful run on Mad TV. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that maybe earned him a little bit of uh, screen time. Um, and also something that I'm remembering from when this movie came out, a lot of the marketing was based on the fact that this was Chris Farley's last appearance on last film to be released. Yeah, we. I, I was thinking about that. I was actually talking off mic with, with Myros about that. 
it's weird that this is Farley's last film. And I don't know like when this was shot versus when it was released, but compared to Almost Heroes, which came out the same year, 1998, he actually looks like he's actively dying in Almost Heroes. Yeah. yeah, and Almost Heroes was shot after Dirty Work, but it was released uh, before Dirty Work. Strangely. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Almost Heroes is, is hard to watch. It's, it's very much like that John Candy, too, The Wagon's East, where you're like, oh, this guy's dying <laughs> you're like oh he looks terrible uh but yeah uh, in this he yeah he's himself certainly although i mean again there, there may have been some he 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 has some big cocaine energy we'll say that yeah well i mean they, they put that that stuff on his nose because <laughs> uh, the running bit is uh, a saigon whore bit off his nose uh but but really it, it could have been just dust from the coke bag and i wouldn't have known any different <laughs> That's that's another line that uh, only Norm could sell and make work so well is uh, he he purposely says out loud so Farley over here is maybe I shouldn't have gotten my nose bitten off by a Saigon whore and Farley has his freak out and then there's like nah it's all good buddy here buy him a beer and um but yeah I uh I had no idea Farley was in this and I uh, I actually my face kind of lit up when I saw him again and I I really wish he had been the sidekick and not Artie Lang cuz uh like we said Farley just brings this energy that uh Lang does not really have or nothing that I can really see. Yeah. And and I have a feeling too. I mean, again, like there's a million different reasons why they didn't cast Farley for this uh for Artie's role or vice versa, but I I don't know, like I feel like Dirty Work is is kind of from that 90s comedy, um, you know, canon. It it kind of gets tossed aside, you know? I, I don't think it's it's revered as much as maybe it should be. And I feel like if it was a Farley movie, it would be in the Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, you know, uh, upper pantheon. Of, oh, it's uh, probably a better movie than Black Sheep. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, yes. But because it's it's not a Farley movie, people talk about Black Sheep. And I yeah. don't think like you just you just don't get enough people that are like, oh, I want to revisit dirty work. Like, it's just not something that people think about. Honestly, I mean, even as a Norm fan, it's not it's not one that I've gone back to. So um, I'm kind of glad we did this one because it really is like it's a reminder that, you know, there weren't a lot of <laughs> comedy uh, film vehicles for Norm McDonald. But goddamn, when you gave him time to shine, he was absolutely amazing. That's very true. Yeah. Very true. I, I, it, it also has like the doom. Like, that's the other stuff about the '90s comedies. Like, there's, there's stuff that I'm nostalgic for, and uh, it really clicks for me. And I'm like, oh, I wish they made movies like this still. But uh, then there's other stuff, which you know, you've got your successful cameos, like your Farley cameo and your Chevy Chase, uh, and Don Rickles. These all work. But then you've got stuff like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Saget was like kind of portending his own role in in society going forward by having a a Gary Coleman cameo where it's just like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, how did this make the edit? Yeah. Well, and and the Saget the Saget connection is is interesting because I mean, obviously, when we were conceiving this podcast, this this movie is perfect because it's directed by Bob Saget, and God, he has got such a, a wild place in culture too, because I, I don't know, he obviously like famous for being Danny Tanner on, on full house. Um, 
but also a revered stand-up comedian who's known for doing very, very raunchy blue comedy. And I, I mean, I've never been a huge fan of his stand-up. It's just, it was, it was always kind of one note, but again, he's like a well-respected, seems like a nice guy, but it's funny because he was able to basically split his life, which I don't think you can do anymore in the age of the internet, but you know, there, there is an entire generation of people that just know him as Danny fucking Tanner and they, they don't know what his comedy is about. And I, that has changed a little bit over the years, but just thinking of, of him sort of being defined by this wholesome role when the actual Bob Saget is so different. And then he was able to, to walk that line and, and really never caught flack for it. Where now, I, I don't even know what the fuck that would look like, you know? <laughs> if well, Bob I mean, Saget he would have been, was, like, was... fired off of uh, Full House Season 2 after his uh, comedy special was viewed by an executive on a Twitter clip, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. someone would have taken a clip of him saying that he likes to, you know, shit in his grandma's pussy or something, <laughs> and then it would have been all over. I don't know if Bob Saget ever said that, but I... <laughs> I have a feeling if you go over his like 35 years of stand-up comedy, if you, if you, he's probably said those words before. So there's at least a Bob Now Saget. I'm not going to get to play a wholesome father figure because I said yeah. I'm going to shit in grandma's pussy. You just canceled yourself, sir. Damn it. I don't shit in grandma pussies. <laughs> don't keep repeating want- it. <laughs> for crying out loud. God. Yeah, we call that the beef wellington. Anyways. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, it's it's so weird because, and, and you know, he, I, I think his big coming out party where people started to realize like, oh, there's a little bit more to him is uh, when they made the Aristocrats movie and, you know, it's here's him and, and Gilbert Gottfried saying the most ridiculous shit ever and making like 9-11 jokes and you're like, oh shit, like Danny Tanner can fucking pop off. Uh, but... Yeah, I just, I am so glad that he didn't have to, uh, you know, come up in, in the world of comedy uh, where <laughs> there's someone watching every move that he made. And I think, too, like, a- as a director, I, I don't know if, if this is exactly his calling, <laughs> but, I mean, he gets the job done, right? It's it's a very workmanlike approach to, to directing and it's just, you know, you're, you're not going to get anything where uh, he's, he's really showing off his cinematic chops, but I, it, it's fine. I don't have any major complaints. And I guess in a, in a late nineties comedy movie, what else can you do? Right. Yeah. I mean, if he was so inclined, yeah. he, he probably could have uh, had a, a good career directing happy Madison movies. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think uh, I don't have all the details, but I think, there's maybe a lot of studio interference with dirty work because it feels like it ha- could have an edge to it that has uh, been sanded down for a PG-13 rating. Like the film opens with Norman, Artie as kids, and they, they steal their dad's guns so they can put it in a bully's desk so that the bully can be arrested for having guns at school, which it's is extremely fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. But like the. there's like there's hints of like what could have been a darker better r-rated film and i think just maybe the studio would have clashed against saget's comic sensibility so we didn't really get the full the full dirty work as it were but um yeah i think uh you know had him and norm had a blank check they could have really made something masterful oh sure yeah this was not the era of the of the hard r comedy at all um but goddamn like jack warden 
uh, playing the <laughs> the grumpy pops. He's still alive, by the way. Dude is wait. like literally over a hundred years old. Wow. I'm pretty sure. Oh no, wait, fuck, he died. No, he died. Okay, I thought he was okay. still alive. Like how, like how I my looked him instant up earlier reaction and I was like, he was born in 1920. <laughs> my my <laughs> instant reaction is like, no, he's dead. He's gotta be. <laughs> He's got to be fucking dead. No, he he died a while ago. He died yeah. when he was 85. I'm sorry. My mistake. He died Who's not years dead ago. is uh, Chevy Chase, who I thought was actually pretty funny as the doctor. He uh it's, it's great to see him still kind of give a shit. Yeah, it's weird. This is this is I mean, cuz you watch him now and he clearly does not give a fuck about what he's doing. Uh but yeah, watching him here it's like, "Oh man, 1998 Chevy Chase still had a little bit of a spark going." Um, but yeah, J Jack Warden is great in his role and another example of there definitely could have been a hard R version of this. He carries around to, to prove to Norm that he's his father. He carries around a locket with a picture of him like fucking Norm's mom. <laughs> but they, they obviously they don't show the locket. They just show Norm's reaction to it. <laughs> and then I love too like the little the, there's there's a bunch of jokes in here where everything is sort of like comes back around to it. And so you have this like one off a locket joke but then it comes back and uh Artie's just like what you have that picture you cheated on mob and jack warden's like no who do you think took the picture <laughs> great line <laughs> um but yeah I, I don't know it's it's directed well enough but i mean i don't i don't think that there's really um a, a clear like bob saget aesthetic you know he's he's not he, he doesn't, he's no, he's no auteur. And even after this, I don't know if he did much else, like what, fucking Farce of the Penguins, which thankfully we won't be talking about, but. Ah, uh, yeah, let, let's thank heavens for small favors, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you, you guys ever want to like put Adam Myros into cardiac arrest, uh, the, the classic move where back in the uh, blockbuster free rental days of 2006, I'm pretty sure we rented Farce of the Penguins for lack of anything else to get. We did. And yes. uh, yeah, that uh, that didn't go over so well. No, no. I mean, it, it, it combines like my least, uh, the, the least appealing aspects of, of Bob Saget to me, which is the uh, horrendous like AFV, like voiceover jokes. Uh, <laughs> Where every single voice he does is just him going like, I yeah yeah and the and the intense vulgarity for for no reason because it's just yeah. like isn't this shocking i was on full house like i mean i'm sure that predates his appearances on full house but it became his identity so much in his later years which is why the coleman thing brought it to mind for me because he he very much became that sort of like gary coleman chuck norris like internet punchline sort of thing where it's just like i fucking mm -hmm. hate this shit yeah, yeah. Well, and Farce of the Penguins just like, I mean, if that's your coming out party for for knowing who Bob Saget is, it's just like, yeah, here's some uh, like stock footage of penguins walking around, and then you know Bob Saget's like, I'm a penguin, I'm gonna shit my grandma's pussy, you know, and then <laughs> that just doesn't work. No, it sure doesn't work. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. Um. So yeah, I, he. Uh, <laughs> He did something else in 2019 that I've never heard of called Benjamin. And then uh, I guess he was working on a Martin Mull documentary uh, that's in post-production. So that's about it. He really didn't uh, didn't do much in, in the world. I would love to see a Martin Mull documentary. Yeah, hopefully they release the yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it says it's in post-production, so I suppose uh, it's fucking possible. 
that they would still release it. But uh, yeah, release the Martin Muldock. That's the uh, the hashtag for this episode. Yeah, I got a couple mull heads here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so moving on from dirty work, we get to screw. <laughs> and I, I got to say, I unabashedly love this movie. And I remember when it came out in 2000, I don't think it made any fucking money. I distinctly remember it being in theaters because I, I went and saw it like four times, <laughs> like more than anything else from this era. I saw screwed and I don't know. I mean, I liked it, but I don't know if I saw it so many times because it, it like, it was the only thing playing at the time and <laughs> that was worth watching or I didn't have anything else to do, but I saw this movie a lot and it's kind of wild that it got made because Sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, oh, wow, this is a real fucking shaggy film. Like you can tell that it was kind of cobbled together and uh, maybe they released it with, you know, not in its fully baked form. And Screwed is 100% that movie. But also you get the feeling that there was never any intent to fully bake it. It's basically like here is the most threadbare plot humanly possible in a movie where like Sarah Silverman's in this. I don't even know if you ever even like get introduced to her character. She just kind of like pops in. So this is all this shit where it feels completely cobbled together, but through the power of Norm and Danny DeVito uh, with a little help from Dave Chappelle, it just gets carried. What you're going to, you're going to short shrift, uh, Elaine Stritch. She's oh, fucking Elaine incredible. Oh, amazing. Yeah. She's amazing yeah. too, but it's just, it's, it really is like, it's just these incredibly strong comedic voices and they have nothing and they just go with it. And it's fucking incredible. Uh, and, and the only thing that I know about this movie is allegedly Norm was going through scripts and this one just kind of landed in his lap. And I don't know if he was meant for the Chappelle part originally or the Danny DeVito part or whatever, but he was like, oh, I, I want to play this, uh, this butler character, even though in the script it specifically says that the butler is an elderly black man. <laughs> <laughs> so, which makes sense, too, because there's, there's something like you're watching this and you're like, Norm is great, but you're like, what the fuck is this part? Like he plays, he's like a, an abused butler and his dad used to be the butler for Elaine Stritch. And then his, his dad died and, and now... He's the butler, and, and you're just like, what the f This is so fucking weird, and the way she treats him is so fucking weird. I mean, it's funny, but then when you hear that, like, oh, it's supposed to be played by an old black guy. You're like, oh, this, everything is connecting for me now. Uh, <laughs> so, so they just, like, shift Sherman Hemsley over to no, a different that's what I'm Yeah, and, Sherman yeah. Hemsley. So, and, and then that kind of makes sense, too, because if you had Norm playing the Chip Oswald character... Well, that would fit. And be Sherman worse. Hemsley being literally an old black guy. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think that would work a, a little bit better. But because everything gets mixed around here, it's just like, ah, oh, fuck it. It's amazing. It's absolutely goddamn amazing. Um, and, and the best parts in the film are just like when everybody just sort of lets go of what they're doing and kind of riff on whatever the fuck is happening. Uh Personally, I think the, the best scene in the movie is Danny DeVito, who plays uh, Mortician. And 
Norm and Dave Chappelle decide that they need a dead body to make it look like Norm has died. And DeVito is, he's got an entire shelf dedicated to things that he's like pulled out of his body. And he just takes, he picks up a, a pair of dice. He's like, ah, oh, this guy was a gambler, huh? You, you like to gamble? And he's just got these dice that were in a guy's ass like 10 minutes ago. Uh, it's it's and really, it's, it's beautiful Such an stuff. extended scene too. <laughs> it goes on forever, yeah. right? But I didn't want it to end. No, it, no, it's so bizarre too, because like he's made up with like this. He almost looks like he's playing the penguin again in this in this one scene. <laughs> it's the only time where he's got this like caked on like white makeup all over him, where he looks like a complete ghoul. The rest of the movie, he looks more like Danny DeVito, but it's just such a strange choice, and uh, it's incredible. It's a fucking hilarious scene. Not just that, but he's also got really bloody hands in that scene where he's going through all the items and the blood's transferring not just to the items, but to like his face when he's touching himself. <laughs> it's really, he just really embraces being grotesque, which is magnificent. Yeah. And and this is a movie too where, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it's, it's ridiculously gory at times. <laughs> so there's this tiny Pomeranian dog that they try and kidnap and it bites Norm's hand. And so, of course, there's the there's the bit where it's like, oh, here's, you know, the puppet dog is stuck to his hand. He's trying to shake it off, except because it's Norm, they, they kind of like completely overdo it to the point where blood is just spraying all over the house and he's just bashing this dog into shit. And it's another scene, too, where it just goes on entirely too long. And that's why it shines. And you, you want to talk about comedy films, especially from this era that literally no one talks about and you could even be like hey you know you know the you know dave dave chappelle uh, danny devito norm mcdonald screwed people would not know what the fuck you're talking about literally no one gives a shit about this movie it was difficult to find there's not even like a legitimate hd home release of this film uh the version i got was it was ripped from hbo like it had a fucking hbo bumper in the beginning <laughs> so no one gives a shit about this but it's genius. So what the fuck? It, it's very weird because like objectively, this is like a worse movie than Dirty Work. But uh, I like it more. It, it's a fucking huge mess. I don't like the directors have never directed really anything. They're screenwriters. Well, um, yeah, they're the uh, they're the, the basically they're the biopic duo in Hollywood. They did yeah. Ed Wood and. Larry Karaszewski and Scott Alexander. So it's it's interesting they made this their debut film project. Yeah, you you got to imagine that this was like an early script they wrote that was this like collecting dust and <laughs> someone like championed it or something. Because this is so yeah. many like oddball scripting things. Like for like the three Devito, Chappelle, and Norm Macdonald are all like named after presidents for some reason except <laughs> not, like norm's character is named willard fillmore uh dave chappelle's character is rusty p hayes and danny devito's character is grover cleaver <laughs> sure why not right I don't have any idea it just seems like such a like i uh, try to break into hollywood like early script like try, uh, it's it's what it really wants to be clever have all these twists and turns and it's a fucking huge <laughs> mess but it's cast so goddamn well that it it just works going into this i had never seen screwed and i never wanted to and i thought like oh this is gonna be a this is gonna be a chore but i can't believe how much i loved it like i as soon as we're done recording i'm probably gonna go watch it again 
<laughs> I adored it so much. Yeah, yeah. it's it formerly it's much better than Dirty Work, even though Dirty Work may have been, I think, the funnier movie overall. But this, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised because I I had actually never seen any of the three movies we we're discussing, and uh, yeah, screwed it, not really fared well critically but and devito has even just said he only did this job for the money which is weird because he really is it seems like he's having a good time but um yeah i think uh i think uh, screwed is uh, a lot of fun yeah you wonder i like he's so fucking good in it like devito is incredible in this movie i mean it, it's just everyone everyone like this fucking detective daniel benzali the guy kills yeah yeah oh I, yeah uh, he's incredible <laughs> You kind of need him too. He plays just really great straight man to all the nonsense. Uh, even though Norm himself is kind of a straight comedy guy, but uh, yeah, the te- detective's fantastic. I think like just like Steve said, like Sarah Silverman kind of becomes a part without really any introduction or development. Like she's just all of a sudden thrust into the proceedings, and but there's not real rhyme or reason why. Well, and it's really Elaine Stritch is like. I mean, this is a role she would go on to play a lot in in her mm-hmm. later years, yeah. but it was it's not really it's almost one that this is kind of the introduction to that sort of like haranguing older uh, maternal figure sort of, but yeah, very very similar to what you'd see in in Thirty Rock, but uh, earlier, quite a bit earlier. So yeah, it, it's just there's so much stuff here that it's it's really. It went on to be like again. You could see a lot of Frank Reynolds and Devito. Is there's just a lot that really fucking sings here. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I'm. I was wondering like what the critical reception was, and I know that it it didn't fare well, but I was I was unaware of how poorly. That it was disastrous. I believe. <laughs> Absolutely disastrous. Uh, there is <laughs> one positive review that I can find. <laughs> from the sacramento b and basically it comes down to that's ah, okay <laughs> and then everybody else jesus christ man fucking savaged over here by emmanuel levy and his big bushy walrus mustache uh joe Layden from variety said that it's a late night cable tv filler disguised as a feature film um filmcritic.com a pitiful excuse for a film uh, another one what sort of filmmakers could possibly think this is a good idea for a movie, um, doesn't have the decency to be funny. I don't know what kind of criticism that is. Um, <laughs> somebody else says, feels like it was conceived after a 14 martini lunch, uh, which I would agree, but then they gave it a, a 0.5. It's <laughs> a half star, uh, where I would give it uh, five stars for that. You know, it's, uh, it's a five star film conceived during a 14 martini lunch, which is, that's how it feels. This feels like, you know, a bag of cocaine and uh, 12 beers and three hours. Here's the first draft. And then instead of revising it, we shelved it. But then Norm found it, dusted it off. It was just like, ah, this is funny. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> not it. like the, the concept of like a screwball kidnapping comedy is like that far fetched. It, it certainly yeah. is an archetype that exists. So, but this is not a, a, a particularly intricate one that's for sure <laughs> but no no and and that's that's the joke right is it because it becomes more and more convoluted and just dumber and dumber and dumber as these guys sort of they have this very simple thing they need to execute and they can't execute it so everything becomes more and more convoluted until you know all of a sudden they're at a dilapidated uh downtown warehouse where danny devito is holed up as the uh 
what is he the the fucking chairman of the miami vice fan club <laughs> and then he's got like a high powered hawaii automatic 5-0. rifle <laughs> yeah hawaii 5 there you go yeah. there you go uh specifically the guy who who, who jack, is it jack in, lord yeah. jack he's lord just got his jack walls lord riddled with uh jack lord posters mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah real real jack lord head so he's like <laughs> and it's just by the time you get there it's already so goddamn ridiculous <laughs> and even the simple thing there's there's like little visual gags in here where it's kind of masterfully done because it, it doesn't it doesn't have to shine as much as it does so great great example is Danny DeVito is uh he's he's sort of fingered in this in this kidnapping operation and so they they get a sketch of him, and then he's walking down the street, and he sees the the wanted posters <laughs> with his sketch on. He's like, "Ah, oh, God damn it!" He grabs one off a mailbox, and he grabs another one off a telephone pole, another one, and then you just hear him go like, "Ah!" And you look up, and it like it like pans up, and there's it, I don't know if it's like L train tracks or or like an overpass for a freeway, but it's just like wallpapered in this shit, just <laughs> all Devito. He just can't get rid of it, and it's it's such a simple visual gag that it makes this completely shine. So. Um, yeah, everyone in the year 2000 was a fucking moron. Uh, this movie is pretty brilliant and totally overlooked, lost gem that deserves to be rediscovered. This is primo grade A fucking optimism vaccine right here. This is what the, po- the podcast is about watching Screwed from the year 2000 and going, fuck you, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the, the one thing that the I hate about this movie is the fucking score. I, it's like generic comedy score number two, like fucking slapped in the background of it. I'm like, oh, oh I they 100 percent did this. not put any thought into it. They just were like, oh shit, we need music, and they <laughs> whoever was first in the Rolodex got chosen. It's just like bad, like techno nonsense, and it, it just sucks. Like the score is oh. fucking horrible, especially <laughs> compared to Dirty Work, yeah. which. Is just like make a list of all your favorite songs that were popular in the year 1998 and they're all there they're all there baby mm-hmm. oh come on like the opening that opening scene in dirty work where it just like kicks into fucking semi-charm life by third eye blind <laughs> yeah. has there ever been a pure 90s moment than that makes my heart sing would they get some better than ezra in the barn? oh yeah and then can't forget chumbawamba oh yeah oh yeah I gotta look up this fucking soundtrack now. <laughs> I, I think it's got it's got Green Day on it. I know there's a couple songs I didn't recognize either, so I don't know if they're like Dishwalla deep cuts or something. What the fuck? <laughs> Who else was big in 1998? Yeah, that's I don't know. That, just look up fucking. Now that's what I call 1998, and you'll be good to go. <laughs> uh, all the Reverend Horton Heat. I forgot they had that. There's a classic. <laughs> Everybody loves Reverend Horton Heat. That's like the the band that wasn't big but was big enough so that people would always be like, "Hey, you ever heard of Reverend Horton Heat?" You're like, uh, "Yeah." Playing at a brewery in Eau Claire. Mm. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! There's some KMFDM on here. <laughs> Marius gets down to that in his little his little gimp suit, his little bondage outfit. I don't recall hearing it in the film, boss. <laughs> I think it's playing in the the hell scene, isn't it? Oh yeah, that yeah. would make sense. That's yeah, that's 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 the song that plays, baby. That's that's your hell jam. Uh, also featuring Adam Sandler as Satan uh, doing the Adam Sandler baby voice. The little preview <laughs> of Little Nicky. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Proto Little Nicky. Uh, also, wonderful use of the Pina Colada song in Dirty Work. I, I think you know that's that's important to highlight. Uh, <laughs> Used during a bar fight of all things. 
It's another great bit because he's just like, oh, Chris Farley's character's like, I got to play a song for this fight. I'm going to play Street Fight Man by the Rolling Stones, which was probably really expensive, <laughs> I would imagine, I would, to license. So I'm sure that this entire thing came out of, you know, oh, God, like, look at how fucking expensive it is to license that song. What else could we play? And the answer is uh, the Pina Colada song, which was probably a bargain at the time. So uh, makes makes for a better bar fight jam, in my opinion. They did get a uh, Dirty Deeds done dirt cheap for their uh, apartment vandalizing montage. Yeah, I think that's probably where most of the budget went, yeah. right? Like that's that's they worked you, backwards you from there. Yeah. yeah. Well, we need the Dirty Deeds song. Uh, I'm surprised though, no dirty work by uh, by. I was just Keely gonna Dan. say that. Yeah, <laughs> so mm. that's a bummer. Would have been good yeah. for the end credits. I, I, I don't know if uh, is is Dan is licensing the Dan. Is that is that a difficult task? Are they are they hard to work with? I mean, how much did it cost when they recorded FM? Was that? <laughs> it's not like you have to license them to actually do the fucking soundtrack. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe Donald Fagan was going through some things and he was demanding too much. Who knows? Uh, anyways, we got to talk <laughs> about this other fucking movie. Yeah, we got to talk about another fucking movie. So, you know, we usually try and do more than two films, uh, because it, you know, helps pad out the episode and we're all about padding here. And so you've got screwed, which is underrated norm gem. You got dirty work, which is this, uh, you know, uh, just fantastic late nineties comedy with, with norm and Bob Saget directing, of course. So, how do we wrap this up? What else can we do? Are we going to watch Farce of the Penguins? <laughs> no, we're not going to fucking watch Farce. Of the, I, that's, that's where I draw the line. I, you know, and, and maybe 2022 is where we draw the lines. For uh, dramatic films, it's Bolero, never again. For comedy, I think it's Farce of the Penguins, never again. So, we're, we're not going to do Farce of the Penguins. We landed on a, uh, a film where... You know, maybe this is the first time some people heard Bob Saget do a swear or or say something outlandish, and uh, that's half baked, half baked, which also has Dave Chappelle. So this has suddenly become a a, a Dave Chappelle episode. Well, you know, well. we wanted to celebrate him. It, it's very important. Yeah, this day a, yeah. But I understand. Based based on the rumblings online right now, it's a great time. I mean, not not just uh, Dave Chappelle, but uh, Jim Brewer. Yeah, is the forefront of our uh, anti-vax coalition. You know, we need to see what he's been up to lately as well. Yeah, because I'm always like, you know, well, we got to listen to the other side. What do they have to say? What does does Jim Brewer have to say? And truly, the the yin and the yang of, you know, very of the moment progressive comedy. You can't look past Jim Brewer. Have you seen, you know, Jim Brewer, he does this great routine. Coleman, you'd love it. You're a big stand-up guy. And uh, he goes to like CPAC and all these fucking like conservative conferences and he gets on stage and he does a bird impersonation. I am. I've uh, has, has, caught wind of this. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's wild. It's like you got this joke, which is um, COVID isn't real because... People say it is, and they're like parrots, and then but and then you just drag that out for forty five minutes, just squawking on stage. Yeah, uh, never never mind that. Uh, the joke is aimed at people reporting facts that they hear on the news, but he calls them parakeets and not parrots, which would be the sensible bird option to to pick for a stand. Not to pick apart his stand up comedy, but uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying there's a flaw in in his uh his thesis there well jim, jim brewer is a real interesting cat too because 
<laughs> a sentence no one has ever said before. <laughs> <laughs> well, we mentioned we mentioned Chris Farley as a guy who he's got this incredible screen presence, and I'm sure he would be the first person to admit that he never really flexed his dra- dramatic muscles. And if you look at his uh, his career, whether it's his SNL work or his his film acting, he's basically got one character. He's he's the loud fat guy, but he does it really well. Now Jim Brewer. Also, someone with zero range. What you see in Half Baked, this is Jim Brewer. He's, I guess the only twist is, is he's like a hardline conservative, which you would not have probably picked out. But stoner libertarian still tracks, so we're going to go with it. But Jim Brewer, what you get from him in Half Baked, there, there is nothing else. You don't even have to watch all the movie. Watch 30 seconds of Half Baked. And you understand everything you need to know about Jim Brewer. Well, I guess you That's could add it. in the animal noises. He, he is he has a long history of animal noises that don't really manifest. Uh, goat boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, goat boy. Yeah. Where's the goat boy movie? Never got that one, unfortunately. He seems to have just been cast for this movie because he just looks perpetually stoned with the way the bags under his eyes sit. He's he's yeah. got that that perma stoner look. I mean, it's uh, it's a strong possibility that he is perpetually stoned. Yeah. yeah, or just a guy that looks like shit, you know. Yeah, you know, one or the other. <laughs> one or the other. Although I, I forgot, he um he had a he had a cameo on Home Improvement where he played a pretty straight laced dude. So I guess there's that. But uh, you know what other movie he was in? Because we got to tie all these things together. Uh, you guys ever heard of a 2006 film called Beer League? <laughs> <laughs> But it's pretty wild because, I mean, Jim Brewer is, he's a guy, we know who Jim Brewer is, but you go through the movies he's been in and it's its kind of a game. It's like, wait until you hear of something that we're like, oh, I know what that is. You heard of the film Rock in a Hard Place from 2016? I sure haven't. Um, let's see. Uh, he was in a music video for Train. That fucking sucks. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to watch that. <laughs> Yeah. Drink up. That's what it's called. Train. Drink up. That's I, I assume it's that. Oh no, it, maybe it's a comedy thing. I don't know what the fuck this is. It just says music video train drink up. So uh I don't I don't mm. fucking know what that is. It's got Marshawn Lynch too. So is it a music video for train? Is it something else? We don't know, but have you heard of it? I fucking haven't. He's in something called Bling. You ever heard of Bling? Nope. Uh, he's in a TV series called Turbo Fast. Ever heard of it? Nope, probably not. He's in something called Quitters. Nope. School Dance? Nope. Wonder Pets? Nope. The English Teacher? Nope. Zookeeper? Uh-uh. Uh, the aforementioned Beer League? There you go. That's a that's a classic. And uh, One-Eyed King, Once in a Life, Titan AE. This is how far I, I have to go back to the year 2000 before I go, oh, that's a fucking movie I've heard of. And uh, then, of course, Dick, which is a classic. So, Wait, Zookeeper, wasn't uh, that Kevin James? Is that Kevin, Kevin James? James? Yeah. Oh, shit, that where, might be the winner. Where yeah. he voices an animal, I'm guessing, in that movie. Mm, let's, let's wonder if it's a goat. Let's see if he voices an animal. <laughs> oh, he's the crow in Zookeeper. Boom, there we go. I, he likes I, I, sorry, birds. I got Zookeeper confused. That's where it's like, it's basically Paul Blart, but he's, he's got, he's a zoo, it's zoo instead of mall, right? Yeah, and he can talk to the animals. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Uh, yeah, which not to be confused with We Bought a Zoo, which is different. Okay. No. This is all coming back to me. So Zookeeper, real movie. Sorry, Jim Brewer. 
uh, as an animal. <laughs> so yeah, stoners and animals and films you've never heard of. The Life and Times of Jim Brewer. And boy, this is a, a real cast outside of uh, Dave Chappelle. It, it's, it's a real cast of people who are like, oh, what the fuck? Harlan Williams. <laughs> a career that never, never really took off despite being a rocket man. <laughs> and poor Harlan Williams gets buried because now if you Google Rocket Man movie, you get some fucking Elton John bullshit. And uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's really a shame. Really a shame. I think Harlan Williams does a lot of voice actor work now, so good on him. Uh, but he was never a really big bankable Hollywood star. Guillermo Diaz. Uh, not, not doing much, I guess. Uh, he's on Law & Order now, so good for him. He's getting a paycheck. Uh, but again, never really became a big bankable Hollywood star. Certainly not in like comedy. I run, yeah. No, no. This is it's it's not great. So, one of my my big worries going into this is even things that you may have enjoyed as a kid, you wonder how well they're going to age. Dirty Work aged fairly well. Screwed like a fine fucking wine. <sighs> Half baked. Uh, like a fucking carton of milk. This is see this posits that I enjoyed it as a kid, which I fucking did not. Yeah, no, I never no. did either. And this is just like it's it's all the the dumb stoner humor from eighth grade that I thought was funny, and all of it is just like they're just like shitty lines from Half Baked that aren't actually funny. What what are the jokes here? Harlan Williams kills a horse. Um, I guess that's, I kind of chuckled at that when the horse dropped dead. I don't know what that says about me. Um, other than that, it's just like, Hey, we've got voiceover narration where we come up with fun nicknames for people who smoke pot or, uh, you know, my favorite kind of joke, really well written where it's look at this person that you recognize like, Oh, Tommy Chong is in prison with Harlan Williams. Isn't that funny? Tommy Chong smokes pot. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> I think the only what, chuckle what, what I got fuck? out of it was the John Stewart thing. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I kind of smiled at that, but yeah. See, it's... and I, I didn't even chuckle at that one because it was it was one of those things where it just got fucking done to death because that was a joke. It's like, oh, have you ever seen this on weed? Like, I heard that probably 10,000 times in the year 1999. It's not quite as bad as the fucking... Uh, the, the most played one in, in my region of the world was the goddamn Guillermo Diaz quitting his job thing. I'm like, in God damn it, motherfucker. Still mm. to this day, people reference that. Ah, it's they just, do. it's not funny. It, it's never been funny. No, it's, it's, there's an amazing collection of like just not funny, but, but lines that, are still part of the cultural consciousness that people actually say there's fucking dozens of them. And it's all like, like guys you work with in the home Depot garden center who like have a monster energy drink hoodie that they wear every day. Like that's the kind of people that fucking quote this movie. And there's really, there's not a lot here. Uh, the only shit that I laughed at really were uh, there's, there's a couple of characters that are, they're almost like proto Chappelle show. So, uh, the, 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 like the rapper character who buys a shitload of weed from them, that's kind of a, a <laughs> pun intended half-baked version of a Chappelle show character. And then the whole like Samson back and forth thing where they're trying to like nail Samson for selling drugs 
and they're trying to get him to say cocaine and heroin. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, that was that was. And then there's that. one other bit. There's one other bit where, and I don't even remember this probably because I saw this so many times on Comedy Central and it was edited out. But they're like fighting a bunch of woman assassins, and one of their boobs pops out, and they all just stop and they're like, "That's a titty." And I don't know why, but that made me laugh because I have a tiny dinosaur brain. So I, I just, I don't fucking know. Like what makes this so bad? And, and again, we talked about how all these movies have the same basic plot, which is like, we need to raise X amount of dollars for right. This but this one's got the best version path. of it, right? We have to raise X amount of money in X amount of time or else Harlan Williams will be anally raped in prison. <laughs> yes. Which I would actually leave Harlan Williams in prison personally. That would be my choice. Um, yeah, and, and then they and they basically they put a countdown timer on. It's like, oh, we need fifty thousand dollars in ten days, or Tommy Chong gets out of prison and then butt sex. And that's that's pretty much but it. The, it's so like haphazard. Like it does a very poor job of like establishing how much money they're making because it's like, oh, we made like I don't even remember what they say. It was a large amount of money, though, in the first week before they really started uh, taking off. And and then you're you're just kind of like drifting along. You're like, it seems like they probably made that money by now, right? It's like, I, I guess not. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? There's no, like, I, you got to have, like, the Tommy Boy thing where he's like, oh, we got to sell. Look, we made $5,000. Oh, and Rob Lowe's in the background going, oh, no, they're making money. Like, we, we have no way to gauge the amount of money they're making if this venture is successful, if they're approaching their goal with Harlan Williams. It's it's Harlan Williams is basically not in the fucking movie. Well, and, and it's weird, too, because the whole middle section... So, I mean, the setup is Harlan... They get high, and Harlan Williams goes to get snacks, and he feeds the snacks to, to a, a horse, a cop horse, and he kills the, the fucking horse because, you know, ACAB... And the horse drops dead. And so then he gets arrested for horse murder and goes to prison. Okay, there's your setup. They need to raise the bail money. Sure. And at the end, they're clashing with this other drug dealer, Samson. Uh, and, and that's where you get the, the titty joke and the FBI and all that stuff. But kind of like everything in the middle, it's wild how much this movie drifts. Like it doesn't regain its footing. Like, okay, Harlan Williams goes to, to prison and then basically the movie just eats shit for 45 minutes. Yeah. And then they mm -hmm. have a dead president's riff, which I didn't understand as a kid, but now I, I chuckled at that. Um, just because Guillermo Diaz's fucking makeup is horrible. It looks like it was just like caked on with dollar store fucking clown makeup. Uh, and, and, then, and then it kind of goes from there. But th there's this whole middle section where they're trying to sell drugs and uh, Dave Chappelle is trying to nurture this romance with... Uh, the worst woman in the fucking universe. Yeah. And, and that's all the movie does. Literally it's 45 minutes of voiceover narration and nothing. Yeah. Just, that's just the thing is fucking it's, drifting. it's all this voiceover shit. And it's just like, instead of following any sort of structure, it's just like, well, Dave Chappelle's just like, and then I went on a date and then, you know, there's these types of pot smokers and it's just like fucking cut away to nonsense. that has nothing to do with anything. Over and over mm -hmm. again. Here's another type of pot smoker. It's like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? Yeah. The, the movie just, it stops dead in its tracks. And then we get all, like the entire middle of the film is just asides that are not funny at all. Um, and, and completely underdeveloped and, and fucking stupid. 
like a and classic guy, family guy structure right here yeah it's <laughs> at least family guy has like a of like momentum there's there's a forward thrust in the narrative not here not here we, we really do need to talk about the love interest character because holy fuck uh i mean contrast this with even sarah silverman and screwed or uh or the two uh, the, guys, who, the girl at a pizza place. <laughs> yeah, the the fucking titular girl from the the guys in the pizza place. Much much better as love interest. Here they're like, hey, what if we had Dave Chappelle pursue a woman who, as a character, is nothing. She's just a flat piece of fucking cardboard, and her only defining characteristic is she's a teetotaling dickhead. <laughs> That's it. Who tries to like force Dave Chappelle to change? She's like, "Oh, marijuana's a gateway drug, and I could never date a stoner. And anyone who who smokes weed is just the fucking bane of society." Fuck you! I can't believe I'm I'm defending degenerate Dave Chappelle in this movie, but fuck, like, it's it's she sucks. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I probably wouldn't be defending him because it's it's his choice to pursue a relationship with this person who seems uh, morally opposed to everything that that he cherishes. So I, it's a, it's an odd decision yeah. for our lead character, despite being named uh, Mary Jane Putman, according to the credits. Yeah, real. That's a great one. Someone had a real good laugh coming yeah. up with that name. Fun. Uh, well, and, and his justification is, uh, you know, he's willing to quit weed because he loves. Uh, pussy more than than weed yeah and the last woman he had sex with was ugly yeah yeah mm -hmm. and and all i could say is like you know dave Chappelle or i guess thurgood jenkins in the movie thurgood listen uh, if you have someone like that who's completely like forcing you to change something that is an important part of your life uh you know and and may or may not be debilitating but that's for you to decide but to have her just kind of put her foot down like that I mean, you can find a, a good stoner girlfriend, I think, Dave. They're out there. You just got to look. Uh, you, you know, find some motivation. Use this as a learning point. But, I mean, God, I would, I would rather just, like, shit my grandma's pussy than fucking listen to <laughs> someone nag me like that over and over and over again about something as mundane as smoking weed, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think yeah. we can all get behind that, that shitting in grandma's pussy is, is preferable. <laughs> I don't. It didn't sound like you got a lot of conviction there in your voice. Well, that might be all the weed I've been smoking has robbed me of conviction. Yeah, just like yeah. Uh, Harlan Williams' character. He he was convicted. Uh, yeah. I I don't. <laughs> he seemed fine. He was the only one who was, I guess, a, a productive member of society. He was he was just doing well by those children. Teacher. And, uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, but like the whole. It's weird because the him going to prison. It's you think it's going to set up this plot like oh maybe we ha even have to just break him out of prison but we're stoners how do we do that but no it just goes on these random asides and tangents where we meet famous celebrities who are proponents of marijuana and uh it's uh, yeah the, the only thing i would say that has maybe a nugget of a good idea is when dave Chappelle goes on the date with the awful woman and he's got eight dollars in his pocket and he's convinced that he can show her a good time in new york with just eight dollars and as they go around, it's just slowly his cash is just slowly getting whittled away by the things that she wants to get. Like he doesn't even get himself a meal because he has to save his money. I mean, that's, yeah. there, there's just a kernel of something there, but it's it's oh, it's just in the end, it's just not great. Man, I think it's fucking crazy that he can take a a cab across Manhattan for four dollars and fifty cents. That's that's <laughs> yeah. a big tip. Exactly, yeah, that would be like the price in like nineteen forty five. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So I, don't, I don't even think I could get in the car for that much. Like it's, I think it's like $10 just to sit down in the back, but shit, man, that's just, there's really, yeah, I agree with you totally, Jake. Like it just, it, the whole setup they go for, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. And again, screwed just throwing Sarah Silverman at us and being like, here is a romantic interest or dirty work doing basically the same thing is somehow infinitely better than the absurd setup of Dave Chappelle dressed as a janitor and Jim Brewer dressed as Jim Brewer leaving prison and saying, hey, we, uh, let's, let's go catcall this woman and just start talking to her. And then her response is, would you like a ride home? Like, who the fuck? I just can't imagine driving anyone home from prison personally. Uh, so I, I don't know. The, the, the whole thing fucking blows. It's just, it's complete limp dick, poorly aged nonsense. There's no jokes here. There's just shit that your friends repeated ad nauseum when you were 14. And that's it. This is pure nostalgia fumes pumping into your fucking brain. Uh, yeah, that's it. That yeah. about sums it up. I, 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 I never liked it. And, and having revisited it now, I, I hate it even more. I think it's a fucking wretched excuse for a movie. There we go. Coleman, you got a defense of this thing at all? I mean, you got anything? For I it? got nothing for this one. Um, <laughs> I, I still don't understand why out of these three films, it's still obviously the most popular and the most referenced. Yeah. Um, yeah, right time, right place, I guess. But uh, yeah, again, didn't like it when I was 14. Don't like it right now either. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, and and maybe it's like something about like stoner culture and, and, and like stoner comedies. I think a lot of them don't work because so much of the humor just boils down to them pointing at things and being like, look, weed stuff. Isn't that transgressive of us? Not, not really, yeah. especially now. Uh, when, you know, you can fucking <laughs> go to like literally go anywhere in Illinois or Michigan and you can just buy, you can buy fucking weed gummies from a gas station. Like it's beer. Like it doesn't fucking matter anymore. All this shit is stupid. Oh, not Wisconsin. Um, no, no, not Wisconsin. Wow. We're the holdout. Jeez, you gotta, what are you like? One of the last 10 States or something? Yeah, it sucks <laughs> because it's like, I, I don't know why it's got like the broadest. It's like 96% of Wisconsin. I support legalizing weed, but it's like, nope. All we do is we all drive south for 45 minutes from Milwaukee. And as soon as we cross the fucking border, you buy weed. So, uh, but you know, Wisconsin just likes giving money to the Chicago land area. That's their favorite. Uh, thing. Well, I'm really into that. I, I would say it, it's fair to say that of the, the big 1998 stoner movies, you'd probably be better off going with the big Lebowski. I, I think uh, that's, it's a bold statement. I know, but yeah, it's real wild stuff, man. Yeah. Or uh, I would say watch evil bong one through seven back to back to back to back to back. Jesus Christ. The old Charles got <laughs> that high that. in the, the evil bong franchise. Seven series, <laughs> dude. There's more than that. There's, I think, there's more than seven evil bongs at this point. Boy, I remember Wait, the on. first evil bong. It, oh. it didn't deserve a sequel. <laughs> yeah, and then there's crossovers too. There's like evil bong versus ginger dead man, uh, which that one's wild too because I think they lost Gary Busey after the first ginger yes, dead they, man. Yes, they so most he, certainly did. Evil bong. You ready for this? Oh there's my a big Wikipedia god! I'm, I'm looking at it myself, but no, I'm not on the Wikipedia, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hit us, Steve. Okay, so we've got uh, Evil Bong, Evil Bong 2, King Bong, mm -hmm. Evil Bong 3D, The Wrath of Bong, wow. 
Uh, Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. Uh, Evil Bong 420. Evil Bong High Five. Evil Bong 666. Evil Bong 777. Uh, and then a spinoff called the Ginger Weed Man. Oh my God. Is there more than Evil Bong 777? No, I, it, that's where it seems to wrap up, perhaps. I mean, maybe that came yeah. out like fucking a month ago, for all I know. So. I think it was a few years ago. Uh, what does it say that I correctly recognize that there's seven official Evil Bong movies? What does that feel bad about myself now? Uh, but yeah, they, I think they put out an Evil Bong box set, like a limited edition. Like it came in like an actual wooden crate or some shit. And uh, all I can think of is like, what a fucked up way to spend $200. And that's coming from someone who, you know, likes to buy stupid shit. I'm trying to figure out who plays the uh, ginger dead man now, but uh, it's, it must be a big nobody because it's not even like in the cast list. No, I, yeah, I can't be anyone. I think you, you blow your wallet. And not like Busey was putting in great work, but. No, um, no, certainly not. No, I, I actually, I like it though, because you could really tell it's Gary Busey and it feels like when he does voiceover work, he's just reading the script for the first time. So like you're experiencing it along with him and then they just go with it. So it's just, it's real first take uh, quality shit. So yeah. Um, anyways, I think that about wraps things up. So uh, uh, Bob Saget, Norm MacDonald, fucking great, man. Comedic legends. Uh, go, go watch screwed. Go watch dirty work. Don't ever watch, uh, you know, fucking stoner comedies. Really. I don't think you need them in your life especially if, if you're watching Half-Baked, even if Bob Sackett does say, I used to suck dick for crack, and that's, you know, classic chuckle line. It's, it's not enough. It's not enough. But there's other things you can watch, too. So, Steve Coleman, what are you putting over this week? Oh, well, since we're talking about Norm MacDonald, I want to put over the uh, ep first episode of his uh, video podcast, The Norm MacDonald Show, where he interviews Bob Einstein, RIP as well. Uh, it's one of the funniest hours of comedy I've ever seen. Yeah. His, uh, his like podcast video, whatever the fuck that show is. Um, it's totally underrated. Like so, so, so fucking funny. Um, he probably does like the greatest nine 11 bit in the history of nine 11 bits. Uh, so yeah, hundred percent back that man. Fucking check that shit out. Uh, Jake, what are you putting over this week? Um, I'm going to put over uh, Bob Saget getting roasted by Norm MacDonald. Uh, that's a great Comedy Central clip. Check that out. There you go. Yeah. Myros, how about you? What are you putting over this week? Uh, well, here comes a long string of Czech New Wave films that I'll probably be putting over because that's what I'm watching for school. And Oh, uh, fancy lad. And uh, <laughs> thereby, I'm not going to have a ton of spare time. So if it's good, I'll let you know about it. And, and this week we have... Uh, we have Ivan Passer's Intimate Lighting, which is uh, about the opposite of, uh, of these films. Uh, you know, it's very, very verite. There's not much going on here, but uh, man, it, it is great and only 70 minutes long. So uh, I'm going to guess you could probably find it on Criterion, something of that nature. So uh, I would I would seek it out. It's a good 70 minutes. If you're uh, looking for a laugh a minute, uh, look elsewhere because it, it's... It's quite, uh, it's not, it's not exactly exciting. I'll say that, but, uh, put in the 70 minutes and you'll be rewarded. It's great stuff. Oh, Mr. Fancy man. Oh, half baked was too pedestrian for me. 
I need to watch Czech New Wave films. Ooh. Well, I, unfortunately, they didn't offer fucking 90s stoner comedies as, as an elective <laughs> class. Would you have taken? Would you have taken? Uh, that? No, no, I, I would not have. But uh, you know, do you want to? Do you want to audit my online evil bong class that I'm I'm teaching? Uh they did have a Japanese horror class that I almost took, but uh, it filled up pretty quick. So, you know, eh. Oh well, it's always next semester. Uh, always next semester. Well, I'm going to keep it classy too. I'm going to put over a movie that I uh, I watched last night, and if you've ever asked yourself. Do I want to feel like extreme anxiety and disgust about normally, you know, happy things like sex or family or Christmas? If your answer is yes, I do. Uh, if you enjoy people just like screaming at each other and having complete meltdowns on the screen, uh, if you enjoy scratchy, stark black and white 16 millimeter camera work, um, almost like progressive use of wacky jump cuts and, and handheld techniques. I would highly recommend a film from 1968 called seeds from Andy Milligan. Um, it is probably like the definitive Milligan film. If you want to dip your toes in, uh, it is fantastic, but deeply, deeply upsetting. Um, it's kind of weird how, yeah, I mean, Milligan is, is the king of, of taking things and making them, uh, you know, instead of titillating, sex in an Andy Milligan film is both mundane and the most disgusting thing you've ever seen. Um, even in Seeds, for instance, there is a scene where a woman is taking a bath, and it is the only time I've ever seen someone take a bath outside of maybe like the, the bathtub scene in Gummo. Uh, where I actually felt dirtier watching someone <laughs> take a bath. Uh, it is, it's one of a kind, let's say that. So I, 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 there's not a lot of Milligan that I would be like, yes, definitely stranger listening to my voice. Go out and watch this. Uh, but, but Seeds is one of them. So I would say dip your toe in, watch it. And uh, if it interests you, then you can go a little bit further. But it's, uh, Milligan is a, is a real treat. One of a kind filmmaker who hates the world more than any human being in the history of the universe. Um, also, make sure you watch the right version. I would highly recommend you watch either the uh, Vinegar Syndrome release from a few years ago or the, uh, the new version that I, I think it, it's probably the same print, but the version that Severn put out in their Milligan box set. And the reason is, is because uh, there's different versions of it out there of, of varying quality, including a, a, a seeds of sin version, which is uh, more of a porn than a whatever the fuck movie <laughs> seeds is. Uh, yeah. So just, just watch the seeds version, not the seeds of sin version. Thank me later. And uh, that's what I got. So if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, good, go fucking watch dirty work, go watch screwed. Uh, do yourself a favor, revisit those films. And also there's a link in the description of this podcast, and that'll take you to our Patreon page. And if you're saying to yourself, boy, I wish I could make the optimism vaccine guys watch all seven evil bong movies. You're saying that to yourself. I could hear you right now. There's, there's a way to do that. And that's give us money. So if you donate at, I believe the $20 tier, you can dictate an episode uh, for the evil, evil, evil bong. It's uh, $10,000. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Go ahead. $10,000. Yeah. Un unless you want it to be a Myro solo episode. Uh, then it's, uh, we'll, we'll do a discount at 15. So 
that's that's fifteen dollars, not fifteen thousand. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, really, the options are are endless, and uh, you know, it, you, there's also there's other tiers where you can vote on future content or, uh, you know, have your name read out on the air, or even at the lowest tier, just a couple of bucks. Throw us a couple bucks, and I will send you a film from my personal collection, a DVD, a Blu-ray, a box set, a VHS tape, um, a, a, a fucking I, I don't even know, uh, a, a copy of the Dirty Work soundtrack. You don't know what you're getting. You're going to get something in the mail from me, though. So uh, just a couple bucks will get you that. Uh, also, if you want to, uh, you know, send us any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, you can tweet at us at OptimismVaccine or email us, OptimismVaccine at gmail.com. And uh, Adam Myros, he's waiting by. He's hitting refresh on that inbox. Uh, yeah. Send us your shit. We'd love to hear from you. I think that's about everything. Stephen Coleman, thank you for this very special Coleman comedy episode, buddy. Oh, it was my pleasure. You're, you're, you're a treat, a gentleman and a scholar. And Jake, the last word's yours. Note to self, learn to fight. 